Good morning and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And um, (laughs) I had all these plans to play um, a little bit of Regina Carter uh, to sort of get us into um, the swing of things, thinking about our ancestors, thinking about our voting rights, thinking about just sort of how people are feeling now. And... um, yeah, and I didn't play it. <laughs> so I'm going to play the intro to her swing states, and then I'm going to introduce our guest, um, Nia McAllister, who has just joined us. So here we go. This is Regina Carter. Welcome to Swing States, Harmony in the Battleground. Growing up in Detroit... I was exposed to many cultures as a child. We had the largest population of Chaldeans. A lot of my classmates, their parents were from Greece or Poland. They were Mexican. So I was surrounded by all of these cultures of people, and we didn't think anything of it. We'd go into each other's homes, and we were just kids having a good time together. And it seems like the older we get, we start noticing our differences. It's not until election time that we start looking at each other differently because of the way we vote. That shouldn't be the issue. The issue should be us respecting one another and wanting for our fellow man the same things that we want for ourselves and our family. And we can all have that. I remember my parents marching and what my grandparents had to go through and my great-grandmother watching on TV, seeing them being hosed and dogs after them. And that, for me, was enough to know that I had to go and vote because they went through so much ugliness in order to allow me the privilege to vote. I usually try and get there midday. So if I go around 11, 12, or 1, It's usually pretty empty in my neighborhood, so I can zoom in and out. (laughs) Zooming in and out. (laughs) Yeah, quite a few folks, quite a few citizens weren't able to zoom in and out um, this uh, time around, election season. Good morning, Nia. How are you? Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Wonderful. I'm um, doing all right, yeah. you know, hanging in there. How are you? Right. Oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. Looking forward to um, connecting with you. I just love your work. Oh, my goodness, just bringing the ancestors into the space. Um, Thank you. So I'm going to introduce you. Um, we really enjoyed um, the program yesterday, last night, um, at MOAD, San Francisco, um, Museum of the African Diaspora, and your poetry reading. It was um, really, you know, sort of the, the level of of work and the level of passion and the great, you know, uh, wordsmith. It just it just stays at that really high level of energy. It's really great the space you've created for people to be able to share. Um, and and art is a great way to be able to um, process, you know, one, one's emotions and feelings. Right, work stuff out. Absolutely. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, I, I'm ever grateful for that space and the healing that takes place in it. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. So you write, living at the intersection of blackness, womanhood, 
art, and activism. Nia McAllister is a Bay Area-born poet, avid reader, and environmental justice advocate. She is the host and curator of the monthly open mic series at the Museum of the African Diaspora, Moats in San Francisco, where she is the visitor experience manager. Through her work, Nia is dedicated to creating literary platforms for writers of the African diaspora to be seen, read, and represented. Nia's poetry has been featured on Poets of Color podcasts and the Nomadic Press Dial of Poets series. In her free time, she can be found performing at open mics, riding outdoors, and taking care of her plants. So again, welcome, Nia. So I was thinking, um, why don't you know? Why don't you share a poem? Just sort of get us into, wake us up, get us into this space. <laughs> I haven't even Absolutely. turned on the news. I wanted to like <laughs> do this first, like get into you know, like ground myself, you know, as poetry does, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, it, it it's here to ground us. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I agree. I haven't I haven't checked the news either. I think <laughs> we need to start today a little bit more optimistic. Uh, totally. <laughs> so I'll begin with a two part poem. Uh, the first half of which is a ritual, which I think is a good way to to start the day. Mm-hmm. Ritual. Come to a body of water. Your closest streams. The puddle beside your curb strip. The ocean. Yes, come to the ocean. The more waves, the better. Bring us pumpkin and honey and cast them out into the waves. Wade out into the water and apply sea foam to your skin. Return to the land and scoop handfuls of earth until your nails are black. Leave the earth where you found it and cast your palms upward into the moonlight until you are a wet body wearing sea foam, fresh earth beneath fingernails. With nightfall on your callous palms, repeat this until they find you reading stories. In the day, diamonds are in the water. The only time the ocean cut me, I bled stories. They said, what a beautiful yet terrifying thing it is to be free. They said, we have traveled years to bring you our names. We knew you'd forget them, or worse, never recognize them in the first place. They said, remember me, unfold your tongue, Gather in your hands all the cities your foremothers birthed freedom in. Scatter milkweed seeds in the wind and call us home. Waterlogged and weary, I bandage my wounds with diamonds and rise from seafoam memory, homebound. I have never been far from the page. How else to learn what moonlight looks like through blue-eyed promises? Sonia, to be Tony, to be wind in a cotton field scattering marigolds. I wish I knew Arkansas clouds like I do the lines on a palm, like I do the recipe for forgiveness. Joy is memory in the refrain, magic too hopeful to stay hidden. See, the trick to befriending stories is listening after all. 
Yet sometimes belonging cannot be traced by tide lines or railroads carved out of the night sky, but rather dog-eared pages and overdue book signs. Having a library to owe things to makes one at home, right? So we write, we sing, we rename our story legacy before they claim we were never here in the first place. Find us on the page. As she said, this, this is the first battlefield we play on. Hear our words dance, and so we too leap into blissful surrender. And one day we will fly, and one day we will fly. Yeah, I really like that one. I remember <laughs> taking all these notes and just dropping them in the chat. <laughs> yes, it's one of my favorites to read. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like ritual and the, uh, wow. Yeah, just so many beautiful images. Yeah, wow, diamonds in the water. Beautiful yet it's terrifying. Mm. Yeah, it was actually inspired by a line from Toni Morrison's Beloved where mm-hmm. she references that, that line, there are, that, there's diamonds in the water. In the day, diamonds mm-hmm. are in the water is a direct quote um, from a passage in that book, which inspired some of this imagery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It took me years to read the book, but then when I finally did, oh, my goodness. Right. What it a definitely beautiful took me a few story. Tries as well. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes hard to get into, but... The experience of reading it is, is unlike anything else. It really is. It really is. Um, yeah, those characters are so tangible. Like you could feel like you could touch them. You know, that poor mm-hmm. mother, a suffering mother. Right. Mhm. Mhm. And like you feel like yeah. you get to know them. I think each time I've read it a few times now. Each time I read it, I think I learn something new, or I understand the characters in a different way. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember um one year during the Ma'afa commemoration, uh I had a passage there, the one about how um uh should um tells us to um to love ourselves, you know, to love mm. our arms, love our cheeks, you know, just touch yourself, you know, and love your body. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if you don't love mm-hmm. yourself, you know, you know the what did you call them, a blue eye Blue eye promises. Oh, yep, exactly. <laughs> that was the reference. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Mhm, mhm. Yeah. So, so tell me about this. You know, your writing and 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 how how you just seem to be able to just channel um, our ancestors so clearly. Hmm. It's hmm. almost the way you it's, the way you recite. It's almost like you're giving a report. What they tell me, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> they did tell me. They told me directly. <laughs> it's interesting because for a lot of my life, I've enjoyed reading since I was super young. And mm-hmm. I would write, you know, short stories growing up. But I never considered myself a writer until later in my life. I would mm-hmm. say, honestly, only five years ago, I really started seriously writing. And a lot of that I kept to myself. I have this extensive Google Doc where I would just write little fragments of ideas down and never shared it with anyone. And so it took me a while to start opening up and sharing little bits here and there with friends. And from that process of sharing, I realized, oh, there is impact in what I'm writing. And so 
the next step was then actually speaking those words out loud because I think it's a different thing having words on the page and then actually vocalizing them and sharing them in front of an audience. I've always hated public speaking my entire life. And so I remember my very first time at an open mic sharing, it was terrifying. Um, but it's something that's come with practice. And I think as I've grown as a person, my writing has also grown. And mm-hmm. I think I'm often drawn in general an idea of storytelling. And so for me, it's very easy for memories and stories of family and ancestors to show up in my writing. I'm extremely grateful to have such a strong family lineage and um, in some words, a matriarch on my mother's side of the family. Um, She's one of five and has um, all of her family, most of her family is here in the Bay Area and herself and my aunts on that side of the family all have such a rich history and stories of growing up here in the Bay Area through the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and to today. And so their experience um, is something that has informed a lot of my writing, and those stories show up in it. And I think, for me, it's important it's to continue our stories and to document our legacies. And so I feel honored that I get to you know, use poetry and creative writing as a way to continue to share our family history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you write that you grew up in the Bay Area. Um, mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised when I learned that because I'm like, oh, wow, she was nurtured here in the Bay. Whoa, wow. I grew up on the peninsula in Redwood City. Um, oh, okay. And, yeah, so... Born and raised there. Actually, grew up in Palo Alto for the first few years of my life. Um, my mm-hmm. mom grew up in Berkeley, um, and so we have a lot of family still here in Oakland and the East Bay. Um, so I definitely have family roots here in the Bay, which is important to me because I think these days you see the Bay changing so rapidly, and so it feels like a rare thing when you meet other people who are born and raised here. It's kind of this connection where, oh, wow, you too. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh wow, yeah. Cause um, well, East Palo Alto's down in that neck of the woods, you know, and they call mm-hmm. it, you know, Little Nairobi. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And and did your family um migrate here, um, or do you have multiple generations that are Californian? So, let's see. My dad, he grew up on the East Coast in Long Island, so he was the only one of his family to, to move out to California. My mom, um, I guess, is the second generation. Was she the first generation to be here in the Bay? Her grandmother and my and her mother actually both left Arkansas, so that's one of the references in that poem um, that I just read um, talking about, you know, Arkansas skies or Arkansas clouds. And so they actually, mm-hmm. when my grandmother was a baby or just a couple years old, they had to flee Arkansas and they got on a train and just took the train out, basically out of the city where they were living and they ended up in Oakland. And so mm. that's how the roots, our roots here began with my, with my grandma and great grandmother. Ah. Ah, wow, wow. So um, have you ever um, traveled to your 
your ancestral land, um, Arkansas, to see what that dirt's like? (laughs) I have never experienced that firsthand. I sometimes Mm. I'm curious about it, and I'm curious what it would feel like because I think place is really important for me. Like when Mm -hmm. you're in a place, just being there, you learn so much, you feel so much. And so I think that would be an interesting experience to, to be on that land for myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what ancestors are, are talking to you now, um, you know, considering uh, sort of with regards to this nation, kind of like what's happening, uh, which which ancestors mm-hmm. are comforting you, um, you know, speaking into your ear, like whispering, like don't worry, mm-hmm. we've been mm-hmm. worse. We're gonna get we're gonna get through right. this. Don't worry. Right. <laughs> but definitely, we've been through worse. <laughs> that that feels very strong, and <laughs> a sort of persistence of you know we're in it for the this is the long fight. Whatever happens, mm-hmm. you know, in the immediate, that still means there's so much work to do. It's a very small factor in the scheme of things. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of a lot of the feelings that I have right now that are compelled um, by these forces are, are ones of persistence and, you know, it, also taking time, again, for rest. I think mm-hmm. that's, that's important. It's like, yes. We've been through worse, but also take take your time, take care of yourself because we have to make it further. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Um, you want to share another poem? Absolutely. I think okay. since we're talking about family and ancestors, um, mm-hmm. I had the honor to actually kind of interview my mom and her older sisters now maybe mm-hmm. two years ago, a year and a half. And mm-hmm. so we had this long conversation um, it ended up being like almost two hours long, and it was all recorded. And it was wonderful. Oh, nice. Just all these organic stories that were coming up. And, like, if you can imagine, my mom and all of her sisters, and they all have their own unique personalities and all these stories. And so one person would start telling a story, someone else would jump in and say, oh, I remember that time. And it was so beautiful. I really kind of just sat back. I didn't have to ask a lot of questions for all of the stories to come out. And so... Listening to that after the fact, after the conversation, I ended up transcribing it. And from the conversation, I then recrafted this piece that I'm about to share. And so all of the lines in here are actually little snippets of their conversation. And essentially, it tells the story of that side of my family and especially their experiences here in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. And so this is entitled The Retelling. You have to be American, citizen, obey, obey, obey. It was hard work, but we just got used to it. You had to hold your tongue half the time, couldn't talk back, but you couldn't make faces either. Before Rosa Parks, my grandmother refused. She was a fighter. I think that's why I like water. He was a self-employed fisherman. Mama was a stay-at-home mom. He was 12 years older than her. She was a housewife. That's what women did at the time. Where does your name come from? The Great Migration. Our godparents were Filipino or mixed couples. 
I wanted him to teach me Tagalog, the language. In those days, they expected the black people to, you know, get out in the gutter. No matter where we go in a big group, they don't like us. She left Arkansas, threatened by white people, gone on the train, didn't know where she was going to end up, but ended up in Oakland. Grandma was kind of fearless, trailblazer. Our father was very quiet. He worked his way over, always bringing home fresh fish. It was something he really loved. The endless horizon, being out on the water. We were living in a matriarchy, born in Oakland, three generations in the house. We had Southern breakfast, and there was always something cooking. She used to make stuff in the bathtub, and the police would come and look. See, she was a bootlegger. I wasn't supposed to know I was wearing hand-me-downs. People saw that I looked different. When we were little, we were Negro. They presumed you had an attitude because you had that, quote, good hair. But we didn't make waves. We were nice girls. Used to run in a trio. We used to ride up to the library. Maybe that was before the war. It's a church now. You had decorated your bicycle with crepe paper through the spokes. Remember playing hide and seek at night when the big trains would go by and the house would shake. I dream in the streets. The world is really different than when we were growing up. You just want to stop the car and walk the streets again. Mama never drove. She would carry me into the movies to save 14 cents. Those were the days. See, the baby is 76 years old now. I went back to school to become independent on my own. We all went to college set the standard. First black person in the whole organization, first black middle management person. Oh, that's right. Equal employment plans for progress. And yet you still can't tell us apart. We did a lot of holding back, holding your tongue. I used to iron sheets when I first got married, ironing things that don't need to be ironed, standing at that ironing board thinking, is this all my life's going to be about? I got to be independent when I moved away from home. That's when Martin Luther King was shot. They had riots in Washington. If we take you to jail again, what do you want to be called? Black or Negro? I'm an American, Afro-Asian. You're having me deny my father. We embrace ourselves. We don't try to enhance where we are now. That's how it's supposed to be. The other strength we have is humor. I remember being asked by people where your name came from. It's really nobody's business what you are. We are what we are. Resplendent. It wasn't funny, but we laughed. Humor helps you get through a lot. Stories. (laughs) Oh, wow, Nia, how beautiful. Wow, we are what we are. <laughs> mm-hmm. No one's yes, business, we are. <laughs> right? 
mm-hmm. <laughs> what do mm-hmm. you want us to call you? You know, and then it's like, um, hmm. <laughs> right. I think a lot of people can relate to those questions and the feelings that that brings out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was feeling that bathtub, um, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the liquor in the bathtub. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's amazing all that they've lived through. Like, I was learning so much through this conversation, and it's so, like, I feel so honored to just be, you know, part of this story. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's it's very telling also just hearing the thing of, like, them being the first black people in their, at their workplace, and Mm -hmm. all of these other things that we're still living through today. The fact that they're still, like, the first black so-and-so or in in a certain role. The, the fact that mm-hmm. we are still first um, right. is very telling about mm-hmm. how slow, you know, this change comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm not sure, was it the poem before? I think it might have been the poem before, but I'm not sure. But the uh, uh, Tagalog, um, mm-hmm. so are you mm-hmm. Filipina yeah. and? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So my grandfather, he immigrated from the Philippines. Um, mm-hmm. He left he, entirely by himself, and he ended up also here in Oakland, and that's how he met my oh. grandmother, and he was a fisherman out on the bay. So that's what a lot mm-hmm. of the water references are in this story. Yeah, yeah. Wow, nice, nice. And, um, yeah, and and then, you know, the education piece. I want go, mm-hmm. to go back to school to be independent. And then the whole mm-hmm, thing around holding mm-hmm. back, and then that ironing board, right. like you know, we think about that. That you know, I right. stand here ironing, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and like it is for the times they were living through. All of my aunts, they went through college, depending like whether or not it was immediately after high school, or they took time to you know raise families and then go back to school. Um, they had kind of a variety of trajectories, but that education was important and it is important for our family. Mhm. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole idea that you had those models. I mean, you know, you had all these mm-hmm. women that were exactly. also educated. A lot of, lot right. of yeah. A lot of girls don't have those kind of mm-hmm. examples mm-hmm. that are re- that you within reach. Like that's my mama. That's my auntie. Right. That's my grandmother. Exactly. And they're you all know, right in front of us still, like seeing these right. role models all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so lucky. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So what what did your um your moms and your mom and grandma and auntie what what area what field did they go in and then if you just started writing or sharing your writing <laughs> 5 years ago you were writing but you weren't sharing. Um Right. Uh what what did you end up studying? Mhm. So my mom she actually went to school for human biology. Um oh. but she's an artist. She's a calligrapher. And so mm. she, you know, went through school, but then also still had these other artistic passions. And so following graduation and going through a couple of jobs, she started, you know, practicing calligraphy and joined an artist co-op and, you know, turned that actually into her profession. Um, she's always loved art as well. And I think in conversations we've had, she's reminisced about like, what if I went to art school? So I think she's mm. always been an inspiration to me about you know, making sure that what you're doing makes you happy. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of pressure of, like, there's an expected path that we're supposed to be on. But I think that was a very informative for me, too, seeing role models in both of my parents. Um, my father, he's a carpenter, and so both of them are doing, you know, 
craft in a certain way. And so I think that mm-hmm. definitely inspired me, like, being in an artistic family. And so from actually much of my life, I was a dancer, and I still enjoy dancing. But oh. for a while, I, I had projected that as, you know, a potential path in my, in my life. But it was mm-hmm. actually due to a knee injury in college that I pivoted and focused more on writing. I think it was in the healing process, the physical healing process, where I felt so immobile. So it's like I need to release all the feelings that I have, and normally I would do that through dance. But if I can't move, what am I going to do? And so I turned to writing. And so I think that's why it's only been in recent times that I've felt like, okay, it's, it's moved beyond just kind of a healing practice for me, but I think it's important to share it for myself. Um, so mm. it's still been kind of, you know, a personal hobby and a practice. Um, in college, I studied environmental justice. Um, mm-hmm. And so those are still, that whole idea of thought is still something that I am deeply passionate about and I still want to have focus in my life for. But I think it's also a balance. And I think through some of my writing, I'm able to tap in to some of what I studied as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's that's nice. Um, would you mind telling us where, where you studied? Sure. Yeah, so I went to Pomona College, which is mm-hmm. um, in Southern California in the city of Claremont. And it's a very small liberal arts college. We had 400 people in my class and 1,500 across <laughs> all the grades. Um, but it's mm-hmm. a consortium, and so it's shared kind of it shares almost a campus with um, four other colleges. And so I was very lucky in kind of having that network in terms of we were able to take classes at our neighboring colleges. And, you know, you could have a more expansive community as well. But for me, the small class sizes were also very important. Most of my classes were under 30 people, and so you actually felt seen and heard by your professors and by your peers. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was very helpful for me also as someone who hates public speaking, who would always be the quietest in class, feeling like it was, I was in a small enough space where I felt comfortable speaking up and mm-hmm. also having teachers who were role models for me who actually helped my writing development too. I still remember one of my classes my senior year, um, my professor, Valerie Thomas, and she she knew that I was quieter but she knew I had so many thoughts to share and I think the way she structured class and the opportunity she gave for all of us to feel safe and comfortable sharing our work and we were doing some creative writing in that as well that I felt comfortable you know opening up my personal writing such as this in an academic space right yeah well I was wondering um in closing um I was looking at the uh, Nomadic Press Dollar Poet Series, and I was just thinking, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> um, sort of, if I if I was going to dial that number, and you wanted to mm. give us give, give give me a poem to sure. you know just like hold me you know right now like give me a mm-hmm. hug <laughs> yeah what what poem well, would you I'm, choose me? <laughs> well it's mm-hmm. hard because there's two po- like I could either read the poem that I actually did record for the Dial of Poet Series. There's another one that I think is another good <laughs> closing one that is that feels like the hug that you were just <laughs> that you were just saying. <laughs> okay, well give give them the give people the how they get the poem that you did actually record for Nomadic Press Dollar Poet and they could just call that number, um, if it's a literal number. 
or, or go to that website if it's not a literal number, and then you can give us the one that's not there uh, okay. right now. So do both or just share with the, the name of the one that's on Dial Poet? Um, let's see. How many minutes do you think? Um, they're both rather short. Oh, yeah. Go ahead and do both. Okay, wonderful. Well, the one that is on Dial a Poet is a poem that I wrote for my mother as a birthday present now three or so years ago, three or four years ago. Um, And this is entitled My Mother's Garden. Like morning, she rises. Full of light, she rewrites the sunrise each day. Her name is the place between home and homebound. She is my favorite place. Smelling of sweet breezes, fresh earth, ink, and spices. She is a glass deliciously full. Your favorite song with just the right rhythm. A new pair of dancing shoes with just enough room to grow into. She carries herself with a special kind of optimism, tending to her garden with the hope that each year new buds will come back, collecting seeds with the promise of new growth. We are of the same garden. She planted her roots in me, teaching me how to blossom. Gardens have seasons, yet she is always in full bloom. In a word, she is perennial, permanent, unceasing in her love. Dance, Mama, like the flowers are singing for you. That's one of my Uh, favorite pieces to read, uh, especially when she's in the audience, too. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, is she in the audience this morning? I don't know if she's in the audience this morning, but I will definitely have her tune in after the fact <laughs> and, and get okay, to hear it yeah. again. Oh, that'd be lovely. Wow, how beautiful. Always in full bloom. Mm, mm-hmm. nice. And she has a beautiful garden that she does tend to every day. And I think that's such mm-hmm. an important practice, too, that grounds right. us, you know, taking care of something else that's living. Mm-hmm, certainly. Well, I can close with one final piece. Um, okay. A lot of, we were talking about ancestors and inspiration, and for me, ancestors also be, extend beyond just, you know, my personal family. And for me, a lot of my favorite writers are now ancestors. And so this last poem is inspired by the writing of Ntozake Shange, specifically the opening passage of her book, Sassafras, Cypress, and Indigo. So this is entitled, Consort of the Spirits, after Ntozake Shange. There are roadmaps in my great-great-grandmother's grave. She keeps seeds in there, too, because where we are going, home must come with us. Tell me how your mother hides spices in the hem of her skirt, tucks hymns behind her ears, and calls it packing for tomorrow. Do the women in your family hide rose water in their saliva, sage in between their thighs? Because how dare we sleep on strange land without blessings? Tell me how your sister folds indigo leaves between her toes, smuggles cotton flowers under her arms, and promises 
that where we are going, there will be color. Peas in my auntie's coin purse. She keeps moonlight in there, too. Because luck, luck is far more precious than loose change. I carry a cowrie shell in the crook of my arm. It sings when my twins are near. I wear strands of sea glass upon my ears because where we are going, there will be music. Do the women in your family wrap beeswax around their ring fingers, keep matchsticks in their collarbones, and promise that we will never know darkness? They call this survival, but we pack what we must because what we return to may no longer be ours. They call this survival, but the body is a compass and we are each other's destination. They call this survival, but this ritual of making to leave before knowing where we're headed is how we birth futures. They call this survival, but we know better. Where there's a woman, there's magic. And where there's a Nia McAllister, there's a conjurer, and there's magic. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, I re- Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I remember this one, too. I love this one. So mm-hmm. um, so where's the book? Where's the book, Nia? It, it's coming. It's coming. No book yet, but I'm compiling my <laughs> poems. <laughs> okay. We'll be here. Sure. And tell people how they can find you, um, you know, at the reading that you host and any other place that you're going to be. Yeah, absolutely. So um, if you go to the Museum of the African Diaspora's website, which is moad, M-O-A-D-S-F dot org, and you visit our calendar, you'll see all of our upcoming programs. Um, We have an array of different programs, um, author talks, artist studio visits. Um, in addition to the open mic series that I host. And so the open mic series is every other Thursday. So our next one that will be this month will be November 19th. Um, and it's it's ongoing. It's it's really been wonderful to see how it's grown. I, I started this series back in April of 2018. And it has since evolved and expanded. And now we're virtual, which is new. But it's been really wonderful to be able to actually reach people beyond the Bay Area. Um, and connect with people, you know, across the world. And I think it's important that we have these gathering spaces. And so I encourage folks to check out our website and attend and, you know, contribute to this space. Um, I also have some of my poetry archives online on Instagram. Um, I have a page called Notes by Nia, and there's a period in between each of those words. (laughs) And so that's some of my older, shorter writing um, but when the book comes out, I will I will let you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool, super. Wow, well, thank you so much for, yeah, wow. This was so beautiful. Thank you. Um, him I'm be- so honored behind be her here. ears. Yeah, <laughs> love that line. Exactly. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, and thank you for oh. inviting me to be here in this space. I'm, I'm truly honored. Oh, you're quite welcome. Look forward to having you join us again. Um, wonderful. Yeah, it's been really wonderful. You're you're one of my favorite writers, and so I'm looking well, forward well. to being able to like. 
That means so much. Yeah. <laughs> Coming from someone, I mean, I look up to your writing and the organizing work that you do as well. Well, thank you, Nia. Well, you have a good day, and I guess now you can you turn too. on the news. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I think I'm still going to take my time. <laughs> thank you so All much. Right, you take a, you take a care. <laughs> you too. All right. Bye. Peace right, and blessings. Bye. <laughs> <clears throat> Good morning, Brother Leonard, D. Moore. How are you? Thanks for hanging in there. I appreciate it. I'm doing well. You're welcome. I enjoy the young poet's uh, poetry. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Nia is awesome. Yeah, I knew you probably really resonate with the gardening because um, oh, yeah. your hands are in the earth too, right? I've gardened for years. I've done farm work <laughs> and on and on. Um, well, it's it's when I looked up, you know, I I looked you up, and it's it's in your it's in your biographical information <laughs> that oh. you know that <laughs> the earth is real close to you. Because I think your was your dad, um, like you know, like there there are generations like you were sort of like raised, you know, and close to the land. I think you all have land as well in your family. Well, you know, I worked with my great grandma. She had fields, uh, oh. so I worked with her. And then my grandma and granddaddy had some land. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I've done a little bit of work and worked for other people too. You know, in tobacco fields, uh, blueberry fields, you name it. Mm, nice. And then I've gar- done gardening for several years. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. So are you raising food or or flowers or both? Well, I'm not doing it right now. I was uh doing vegetable gardens. Oh, nice. Okay. Like yeah, I know um in the past they talked about the victory gardens that our ancestors had um, you know, during the war. I'm trying to think was that World War Two or or something, so that people would have food. So nice, you know, when people had land. Um you know, it didn't matter where you live. You you were you had a garden so that you weren't people weren't hungry. Um, nowadays, people don't have land next to their homes or dwellings, so you know there's there's you know food insecurity in a way that is kind of unheard of. Um, you know, in this nation, and we need to get back to the land. Absolutely, I, mean, I feel a kinship to the land because, as you know, I. Grew up working the land, so I definitely have a connection to the land. And then, mm-hmm. too, I write about haiku, so I'm always, uh, you know, uh, on the land and observing the land and listening to the land and all those kinds of things. Hmm. Wow, that's pretty cool to be able to, like, you know, hear from the land, you know, sort of what it's thinking and what it's feeling. So I, I was thinking um, when um, the great storm came, you know, Hurricane Katrina, and, uh, uh, and you know, the devastation, you know, not just to lives and people and the way we were spread out like slavery had returned. You know, we were of African descent to all these different places and people didn't even know where their children were. Um, the land itself, you know, once – the water had settled, uh, and the land had just been so um, desecrated. And I wonder, you know, at the 10-year anniversary, like what the earth was saying, like, like you know, had it 
I mean, it's, it was still in process, right? The healing part of it. And I was just wondering, like, what does, what are people, what are they, what's the earth saying to us? What's the land saying? And I was trying to like connect with some folks, like some indigenous folks, et cetera, mm-hmm. who, who like are really close to see like what the messages were, or what the messaging was around around the 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 mending process and about the lessons learned. And mm-hmm. um, got got a few answers, but not not. De- not nearly um, in depth, and I was just wondering, sort of like, what what is the um, you know what is the land telling us now? <laughs> yeah, and what are the ancestors saying? You know, I I, I don't mm-hmm. know. Mhm. 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 Yeah, yeah. So um, you are to get back to your bio. <laughs> You are a poet, fiction writer, essayist, book reviewer, public speaker, photographer, and author, and uh, and or uh, editor or co-editor of several books, <laughs> including mm-hmm. All the Songs We Sing. Um, that's a nice title, All the Songs We oh, Sing. Oh, um, Yeah, and that's recent. That's 2020. Um, and the Geography of Jazz, love that title. It's like, ooh. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I love, I'm, I love. I'm delighted you love my titles. Wow. Oh yeah, and 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 I and I got it. I read a couple of those poems, and the one that you shared with me, I, I did look at the emails. Definitely want you to share that. Um, one window light. Um, that's 2017. You're really prolific. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a temple looming, um, and uh, that's uh, Word Tech Editions. Uh, t- 2008, and your literary works have appeared in African American Review, um, Agni, uh, Colorado, Colorado Review, North American Review, North Dakota Quarterly, Obsidian, Prairie Schooner, um, and Valley Voices, and you're the founder and executive director of the Carolina African American Writers Collective, that sounds awesome, and co-founder of the Washington Street Writers Group. And you're recipient of several awards, including the North Carolina Award for Literature, and that was back in 2014. The Haiku Museum of Tokyo Award. That's like cool. Did you did you end up going to Tokyo to get it? I not get that award, but I was invited to Tokyo to uh, participate at a conference uh, back in 2009. But yeah, I was uh, fortunate enough to be awarded the Haiku Museum of Tokyo Award in 1983 and mm-hmm. 1994, and again in 2003. <laughs> wow, wow, yeah, yeah. And, and then um, you got the Margaret Walker Creative Writing Award back in 1997. And I love Margaret Walker. Like, oh my God, really? <laughs> you got that board? Like, like okay, you could just got that one, and that would have been like impressive. <laughs> but that's the last <laughs> one on the list, and that was like so long ago. It's like, whoa, you keep on racking them in. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> Blessings, you know. <laughs> mhm. Yeah, yeah. And you are going to be uh, one of the featured uh, writers in Kim McMillan's. Um, final um symposia on um looking at afrofuturism and we yeah, could talk so a little I bit about that. I hope at some point to share a couple of my poems on that topic with you too. Yeah. So since like you are like 
big time here. Like, you know, it's like, well, we are so happy you're blessing us with, you know, your your time and your creativity this morning. So I just wanted to ask you, like, okay, so tell my audience sort of what we're going to do today. Like, you know, how do you want it to flow? All right, well, we're going to share some poems. I will probably read one or two jazz poems, read uh, one or two Afro-futuristic poems, uh, maybe a poem about farming and uh, some haiku, and we talk a little bit, uh, and maybe even a frastic uh, poem. Uh, so I'll just share some works and some some poems that deal with uh, various issues or, or happenings uh, uh, mm-hmm. that were happening uh, back in the past there. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, you mentioned the ancestors early on, you know, in our in our conversation and and i i think ancestors is a great way to kind of ground you know the space and so um i was wondering if you maybe could share something um uh to sort of okay i share something us, that deals here. with the land then uh okay. since we started out talking about the land mm-hmm. and this poem is from my book titled uh forever home And uh, so I think I share this poem with you. And the poem is titled, From the Field. Certainly they are the same weathered trees we carved our names on, played on as children, making an insistent sound. Two M's rub together and bend. Out here, no one listens. They go on pulling tobacco plants from the damp black earth. Some load plants on flatbeds on the puddled side roads. Only a young girl stands at the end of a row not working. Twenty years ago, we pulled plants at any age. Children won't do field work anymore. Who is content on bent knees except when praying? I would kneel to uproot plants in warm daylight, but I stand dreaming about my people's labored hands. The thick clouds do not move. The day goes on this way until sun leaves like yesterday, into the deepest stillness of tobacco country. Rich soil linked us like blessings that speak to us without a sound. Oh, wow, that's so beautiful. Rich soil linked us like blessings. Oh, my gosh, that is so lovely. And I love the um, 20 years ago we uh, we pulled plants and then the bent knees and standing dreaming. Ah, well, how lovely. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So you have such a long career, and, and I heard that you just retired, you know, from a... <laughs> From an illustrious <laughs> teaching, uh, you know, gig, you know, at the university. So, um, yeah. So, talk to us about 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 writing and and this call to you because I know you liked to 
to read and to write and you've been you've been doing this for most of your life. I've been writing for a really long time since I was young mm-hmm. and then when I went in the military I started writing every day and uh so I've been writing every day or close to every day or quite a bit each week uh for decades now uh quite some time and uh, so I write because it's a way of life, and I write because I must, and I write because I'm trying to find out more about myself and trying to uh, understand the world in which we live. Hmm. Okay. So what have you discovered this week? <laughs> that I must keep writing. <laughs> <laughs> find out sort of you know sort of doing some interior interior um questioning and mining and 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 of course you know searching and probably finding out that you already know the answer that you might not have known or have not even hadn't even articulated do you um you know for those people that you know have a writing practice or are thinking about a writing practice do you share everything that you write, or does some of it? Oh just... no, no, no. no. Oh. I just keep writing, and you know, a lot of it uh, doesn't get published. And uh, you know, I publish quite a bit, but then there's a lot that doesn't get published. I just write because I want to document, uh, you know, the mm. world in which we live, and uh, try to find meaning within this world. And as I said, I write because it's the way of life. I must write. It's like mm. breathing to me. I must do it. Like breathing. Wow, that's serious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause we can't. Writing not is that serious to me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I try to. Uh, incorporate music into my writing when I write, uh, you know, as as well as hopefully uh, details and uh, vivid imagery. So that's what I hope for, but, you know, I leave it up to my readers and uh, and, uh, scholars, uh, you know, uh, to see what is there. Uh, Because I don't try to interpret my own poems. I just want to write them. Mm-hmm. And hopefully share them with the world. Right. Yeah. 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 I um when I was reading about your work, um, and and I know that you know that you you've done a lot of performances with with uh, jazz musicians and with musicians, and I also read that you've written, um, you know, sort of inspired by visual art. You know, there was a mm-hmm. series or mm-hmm. something that you did when you were at the university. And I'm like, oh, I think it was like a whole... Well, yeah, and also Temple Looming, (laughs) all of the poems in that book are based on uh, or were inspired by old photographs from like at that time about 100 years ago. So I had to imagine Mm -hmm. their stories to write the poems. Mm -hmm. uh, Because, you know, you don't want to just... 
try to write what you see in the photograph because the photographs already do that. So you have to push beyond that. And so, as I said, I tried to imagine their stories and research, you know, the way people talked at that time, what people were wearing and all those types of things. So uh, mm-hmm. I had to do a lot there. And then, as I said, uh, imagine their stories and then, you know, what was happening during that era or time period. So uh, hopefully I was able to do that. But at some point, I'd be glad to read a couple poems from uh, Temple Looming. Oh yeah, yeah. I was, I was like, okay, that was a while ago, and I, and I said, I, you know, you said, well, I don't know. That's a book, so you have the book with you, so that's not hard to find. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's in yeah, my hand yeah, right up. now. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead and share a few, uh, and tell us sort of, you know, um, about the period, uh, you know, that that the the, um, the photograph comes from that you're sharing. Ah, nice. Well, that was a long time ago. It was another. Uh, it was a visual artist who had all the photographs. Uh, you know, uh, they had written about him. I think in a paper, and I think he was on television interview, and on and on. And so we mm-hmm. had a program at a museum, and I was asked to write poems based on, I think, maybe four or five of the photographs. And, you know, there were other poets uh, who read. And, uh, you know, we were all were paired up with somebody. Somebody paired up, uh, like, with a photographer. Somebody paired up with a sculptor uh, oh. and a printmaker. Different, just different mediums of art. And uh, so we had the program at the uh, museum. It went well. And uh, so I enjoyed the uh, the uh, project so much that I asked the uh, photographer to see more of the photographs. And so I continued to write. And so hopefully uh, the imagination were, uh, was able to do uh, something with these poems and do justice. And then the first piece uh, I... Uh, Put looked at three of the photographs, put them together. I made a sequence here, used biblical names, and on and on. I did a a bit of work, but I don't want to explain all the work. I just want to read it and and and, and see what uh, <laughs> how readers might respond. Okay. So I read the first one, which is titled uh, "An Album of Strong Old Men." Jeremiah. He peers out small eyes, oogling, hunkers in white shirt and tie. His homemade gray suit coat hugs tight. Against the light, his wide face is clean, follicles empty. Lines on his forehead are two rivers reeling parallel. Eyebrows bank slightly. His lips stay sealed like a widow in deep pain against a story. Gideon, he has left his image on paper, gone into permanence. White bristles rising from his head. The light dazzles, heightens one cheek like bleach in a whirlpool. He looks straight ahead with his eyes dreaming and above his upper lip. Thick mustache, a line of black chalk on brown paper. Moses. 
frownless forehead, no smile escapes his too tight mouth. Huge white collar flipped down, stiff on peppermint striped shirt, bright as any firefly's glow. In the dark tube of his throat, his stories of family framing ancestors remain hushed. He looks slantwise, Moses, mentor man, preacher, Moses, original, black dreamer. And, of course, I have one for the women, women too. So that poem is titled Women in a Photograph. So I read that, and then I guess I'll stop. Okay, one, Nola, the woman arched her lips, a prolonged, unhurtful hush. When the slave's story unfolds, though she might spill daggers, since she knows the blood-binding ancestors everywhere, I think this woman spoke to me one night when lightning flashed her face, high cheekbones alluring, like the lens of her glasses or her hanging black curls or the cross around her neck. This wise woman leaned over me and lanced the darkness with flame-like words. She still slips into my room here and there words flare. There is no single explanation. Two, Kizzy and Lizzie, two women stand against a simple backdrop, hair slicked down. They stare sorrow out to the boon, so bleak others feel it. The women look like twins, same cotton dress. Adorn their thick bodies in front of a wooden post past the benches in the back of the room. These are women with stories swelling their bellies when language is mute as ashes in the wind or dust hanging in the air passing slowly over earth. Three, Ellen, low V-neck dress, the woman with plump dimpled cheeks strikes a pose plain as the clouds overhead. White pearls rope her neck, bloom solo at her ears. Her face frames sadness, her skin etched charcoal, heated gray like coal in an iron stove where whatever burns flakes into itself, her broad shoulders slightly slanted, head leaning forward, the silence she keeps. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> the uh we we could see, you know, what you saw, what you wanted us to see. What beautiful Language. Oh my goodness. Yeah. This oh, thank you. Really, really nice. Um, I, you know, going back to, um, you know, the uh, 
the one, the first one, you know, the white bristles rising from head, thick mustache, mm-hmm. line, and um, the uh, the firefly and um, dark dark tube of throat. Um, Moses mentor man. Yeah, I was like trying to follow the the names, you know. It's like, oh my goodness, this is so lovely. And um, and then the um, the women in a the photograph, they spill daggers, blood binding ancestors. Uh, the stones swallow their bellies, plump dimples. Like, oh, that's nice, plump dimples, right? <laughs> and then the white pearls wrap neck. I'm like. That sounds painful. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, very, very nice. Very nice. Wow, thanks. Uh, well, you know, I just try to, as I say, paint a picture, too, with words, uh, hopefully incorporating vivid imagery and try to use uh, good details in the poetry and try not to use abstract language. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. So talk to us about about the form that you're really famous for, the haku. <laughs> and and then yeah, and you know sort of like the attraction to that particular form and then how you've, you know, taken it, you know, and really sort of made it into your own form. Well, I started writing haiku a long time ago in fact. Uh what uh two more months when january gets here uh 2012 it will be 39 years that i've been writing haiku and haiku to me is is like like uh i said poetry uh, haiku is a way of life i must write haiku i also feel that haiku writing helps my longer forms of poetry with the uh, conciseness of language, uh, precision of imagery, and and those type of things, and trying to use the right word or the exact word uh, in my work, uh, and also trying to find contrasts and and uh, and all of those things uh, in haiku, and of course a kigo, which is a Japanese word for season word, uh, to uh, somehow uh, show or hint at the season in which the poem takes place. So I really love writing haiku too. And as a matter of fact, back in August, I was appointed uh, honorary curator of the American Haiku Archives at the California State Library in Sacramento. Uh, Really? So there's a site uh, uh, with a lot of, uh, you know, audio, uh, videos, in uh, other places uh, where my work appear, uh, haiku, and then uh, articles on my work, uh, essays or dissertation or, or what have you. So if you go to that site at the American Haiku Archives and pull up my way at webpage, uh, you'll see all of that. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. And it's for my years of 
haiku, you know, haiku writing, haiku teaching, and uh, working mm-hmm. with various uh, organizations, Haiku Society of America, uh, North Carolina Haiku Society, on and on. So it's it's for my work with haiku and my mm-hmm. teaching of haiku and, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking, why don't you share share some of your haiku? Um, maybe you could talk about the form, like, um, you know, it's, it's like it's mathematical. <laughs> well, well, you know what I do? I'm going to read my haiku sequence from all the songs we sing. Since okay. that book is kind of new, so I think I, I would like to read that uh, sequence from there. Okay. And the only thing I will say is that in the poem, uh, there is a line that says, Shake Loose My Skin, and Shake Loose My Skin is the title of one of Sonia Sanchez's poetry books. So Mm -hmm. here is the haiku sequence. Haiku sequence for Sonia Sanchez. Your word notes wake the dormant trees The wind's breath, drums thump, pulsing of the heart song, the opening sky. Jazz and haiku shake loose my skin, a dusting of pollen. Insistent running of the long river, you're a acapella. My black hands cupping the sunlight. Zacuzzi bubbles, orange lilies bow, your noontime strut up the sidewalk, rain long gone, I recite the syllables of your language, evening walk, I catch your riff in my voice. <laughs> oh wow, that's so lovely. I, I love Sonia Sanchez's work as well. Great inspiration. Mhm, mhm. <laughs> oh yeah, I love some Sonia Sanchez's work, and I especially love to hear her read or perform her work. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. Last week at the um, the Gwendolyn Brooks um, writing conference, um, Sonia Sanchez. I'm not sure if she was there in person but uh during some of the breaks they um shared uh recordings from previous conferences cuz this was the 23rd I think conference mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and so um she was you know doing her Sonia Sanchez thing like with her long jazz poetry poem poems and it was just like so lovely um you know seeing her do the work and as well mm-hmm. as Gwendolyn Brooks you know and her daughter, I didn't even know she had a daughter. Um, oh, she yeah, was Nora there. Brooks. No, Nora yeah. Blakely. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. It was just so awesome, as I was telling you. So I'm really happy that they recorded it, and it's going to be available um, in in the future um, on, on their website, the university website. 
Um, so that's oh, really that's great. Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, I heard mm-hmm. Sonia Sanchez read a number of times, and I especially remember her readings at Cave Canon when I was there back in 1998, 99, mm-hmm. 2000. So uh, she was on the faculty then, and so I was in one of her workshops uh, when I was at Cave Canon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm really sorry I missed that. I actually got accepted, but then because I was a single mother, I had to. I couldn't get off work <laughs> to be able mm-hmm, to go. Mm-hmm. I'm listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a really wonderful uh, community of writers of African descent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and you mentioned Gwendolyn Brooks. I love Gwendolyn oh, Brooks, yes. too. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I heard her read uh, a number of times and talked to her and then, you know, she invited me and some others to the Library of Congress to a mini uh, festival in 1986 mm-hmm. to read. So, yeah. So I have a poem, too, for Gwendolyn Brooks that I would like to share oh, uh, that I wrote yeah. some time ago. That was in this book titled Roll Call, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, and the poem is titled Speak Song. Speak song for Gwendolyn Brooks. Syllables dancing so clear. Speak song reverberates deep into our eardrums, strumming word strings, songing like blues inside us. Like the sun blazes air with fever, never altering the majestic faces. That cry through earth shadows, syllables gather feelings on air that clings in our nostrils, breathing grace notes, the simplest song writing itself on the street, fine word prints left behind form the language of jazz, patient yet urgent, trike the glinting streets while healings move us into other lives. Hmm. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> so what's but your soundtrack you know what? now? Oh, hmm? go ahead. I was going to ask you what your soundtrack is, you know, um, this week. What are you listening to? Um, since you, you mentioned oh, well, music I, I, this morning, I listened to Herbie Hancock, the the mm-hmm. Rain Dance, because it's kind of uh, futuristic, and we were talking about Kim's uh, conference, Afrofuturistic, uh, uh-huh. uh, Afrofuturism, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so uh, I have a couple poems on that topic too that I would. Uh, be uh willing to share uh you know uh and so as as you asked me about what I was listening to as I said it was Herbie Hancock rain <laughs> dance uh, and I imagine you probably know that particular one but of course during my time when I was a teenager I think of uh afrofuturistic art I'm thinking of the music uh you know the p funk and uh the mm-hmm. Parliament Funkadelic. Uh, so, but as I said, I have a couple poems. Uh. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but before before you share them, I was wondering when you think about, you know, um, 
you know, Afrofuturism, um, speculative fiction. Um, what, how, how, you know, sort of, what do you, how do you define it? Um, and I'm just thinking, like, for instance, if, if we're thinking about, you know, um, you know, P Funk, um, and you know, that, you know, that's now the past, and we're in, we're in the future, and we think about rain dance. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the rain has mm-hmm. come. That's Herbie Hancock. <laughs> well, you know, I right, think about exactly. it. I think about a uh, connection of the past, the present, the future, and, and really mm-hmm. out there into the future and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, possibilities. So for me, it's a lot about possibilities, too, and, uh, you know, the blackness and, and those types of things. So uh, I don't know if you could really define it, but... Uh, Hopefully my my two poems will uh at least uh contribute something to it. Uh <laughs> so the first one is titled uh Afro Futuristic Dreaming. Hmm. The dark woman tried to shake away the recurring dream, tried to lift her gold wrapped head off the black satin pillow. She wanted Hanks to stop driving the civil spaceship over her hundred-year-old house as if the future hovered with it. When the sleep test doctor bent to examine her eye-fluttering jerks, I noticed her feet flap like flippers as ancestors whispered her name until she rose out of deep sleep. I sidestep toward the door like a crab crawls to the sea. The woman told the terrible dream, the same one she mouthed last week, wanted to know what sign revealed itself and what prayer to pray again and again so summer sky could give back the swirling spaceship the scary haints and the other one <laughs> the other one I guess it has a little music in it at least I hope uh, so uh, we'll see traveling on the mothership I remember 45 P-Funk years ago when the mothership landed its rhythm, George Clinton style, as if the tunes bloomed from outer space, pioneering permanent points, funky funk funking up the cityscape, the landscape, the airscape, the parliaments, funkadelic, giving us earthlings what we craved, keyboards, bass, guitars, horns, drums, vocals, synthesizers, quake the stage, the bands, funk blue, each roof off, blasting themselves to another galaxy. I remember 45 P-Funk years ago, how we kept funk dancing funky as funking could go then bootsy collins stretching afro futuristic sound that rubber band climbing charts until we funk walked 
funk talked, funk lived, everybody funky, funk love, collective funking, knee deep, cosmic connection, foot stomping, rumbling, smoking up as if we were riding the mothership, eye flashing like bulbs. Oh, wow. I really like that one. Oh, man. That is so awesome. Wow. Thank wow. you. Funk walk, funk talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I can just see us all, right? You know, I, I just been watching this film. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's called Nation Time, and it it documents the 1972 um, uh, black. Uh, let see, it was a conference of for black people um, uh, organizing around around um, you know um, developing or starting their uh, our own um national parties. I guess sort of calling back um Fannie Lou Hamer, you know, when, mm-hmm. when she had the uh, Democratic Freedom Party. And um and so like it's like what what time is it nation time and, and the part where I'm on right now, Jesse Jackson was he just gave the keynote. But uh Betty Shabazz introduced him like, Oh my god, there's Betty Shabazz. She's looking so wonderful and it was just like there in Gary, Indiana this like Wall the wall, black folks, you know, with their signs saying, "I'm from Mississippi," or "I'm from California," or "I'm from you know wherever they're from," um, mm-hmm. and uh, and I was just thinking, you know, just you know those afros and Angela Davis is there <laughs> and Bobby Seale is there on stage and it's just like and Amiri Baraka's in the audience and it's just like I can just see like this, you know, the funk walk, the funk talk, like you know the way black folks are, you know, sort of mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. know. Because of the energy and the spirit, um, before you even see the person, uh, <laughs> that 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 particular ambiance is in the room, and you know you better watch out. Yeah, yeah, mothership, cool. Oh, that's really <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, but you know, uh, I don't know. I guess for about twenty years, though, I spent so much time writing jazz poems and uh, refining my jazz poetry. I worked on my manuscript for about 20 years. So, you know, I listened to jazz a whole lot, uh, often, uh, mm-hmm. just about daily. Uh, you know, I listened to the gospel, I listened to jazz. And uh, so if, if there's enough time, too, I would love to share a jazz poem and uh from the geography of jazz. Oh yeah, definitely. I want you to do that because I just like the title geography. Like, ah, because I was thinking about you know as people of African descent, you know, in a diaspora, and um, you know, you think about a lot. At least I do. Think about mm-hmm. uh, home and belonging, right? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and I really like you know in the poem, you know, where you're talking about sort of like the reoccurring dream about the haints. You know, and I love feet flap like slippers. I was like, really? Oh, man, like really like claiming that floor. <laughs> I was like, whoa, what a great image. Feet flapping like slippers. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the spirit wow. world is like always right there with us, right? You know, mm-hmm, we want absolutely. it to be right there. We want, we want our ancestors to be within reach. <laughs> right, absolutely. Because, like, because our be ancestors are watching over us. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. 
totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so this particular poem is titled Sunday Evening for Ramsey Lewis. In 1989, mm-hmm. Ramsey Lewis came to town and, uh, you know, I guess it was part of Art Exposure uh, annual festival here. And uh, mm-hmm. he played at a high school because they thought it was going to rain, so they moved it to the school. And so it was all instrumental. So while he was playing, I just wrote some words down uh, and hopefully, you know, try to catch the feeling of, of what was happening. But, uh, you know, there were he didn't have any words. It was just all music. But I wrote a poem anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> so it's titled, as I say, Sunday Evening for Ramsey Lewis. As lights glow red in the distant background, he sits at the great black grand. Fingers flutter across the keys. Two black men pluck their guitars, tight gold strings, and the percussionist tings the cymbals. Their heads bob, the audience claps, band members pat their shiny black shoes, the silver gold instruments. Gleam brighter than the spotlight Beaming down on the glossy stage The piano's chords In tune, in tune Better than, oh yes, than any heart's thump Genius's eyeglasses follow his fingers Every moment Ah, the harmony Now genius, tall and lean Stands, bows, then thumps onto the seat and thumps the piano. Man, his pants, the color of the piano, sway as if the wind beats them. No one in the audience sits without bobbing their heads as the music progresses while the band's shadow heads rock on curtains, turn purple, then red. Everyone walks off stage except the drummer who does his thing, drumming until the others come back back playing again that harmony peels the walls bare oh i love it love it can't you hear it too my friends they jamming every now and then the audience erupts the tilted man makes that bass talk that talk my feet tap against the tile floor everybody's fingers pop snap pop pop Popping into the chill night. Listen, let these words throb until you let go of your rocking, clapping self. Nice. Wow, that's really beautiful. So these poems that you've written, um, like the one for Sonia Sanchez, this one, um, you know, inspired by Ramsey Lewis. And the one, um, you know, inspired by Gwendolyn Brooks. Were you able to share any of these poems with with uh, with any of these um, artists? Uh yeah, I wrote a poem for Gwendolyn Brooks. I sent her a copy. Uh, I sent mm-hmm. uh, Sonia Sanchez a copy. I would uh, type mm-hmm. them up and uh, sign them and send them to them. Now you notice I said type because at that time we were using typewriters. I knew you would laugh. (laughs) 
Oh, my goodness. I, I wonder if the folks, you know, this generation, if they have ever seen a typewriter. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> Some of them probably haven't. <laughs> because that's been some time ago now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's been quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I used to like my the typewriter my, my brother gave me. Um, it was electric. It was nice. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I remember the one my mother <laughs> let me play with. It was black and it was big and it was heavy. Um, but you know, you, you know, when you hit that key, you really felt that A. You know. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, I loved my typewriter too. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like a funny typewriters, right? Next thing you yeah. know, we'll be talking about VCRs and tape recorders. Like, what the? Oh tape yeah, recorders? absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure we all have poems with those items in them, too, <laughs> especially if we've been writing a long time. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. So but you know um, what? It's good to do yeah. that. It's really good to write about the era in which you live, to document those things, to preserve those things, and, you know, decades later, People can go back and see what was happening then or maybe even what people were doing at that time and and what kinds of technologies were around at that particular time. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah. So you are not um, going to be uh, reading this Sunday because um, there's um, uh, this event, um, the uh, Afrofuturist Futurism uh, event um, that Kim McMillan is uh, curating. Um, it continues this Sunday, November 8th. Um, it's an online virtual event, and it's uh, 2 p.m. Pacific time. And um, it's about an hour, but I think it, I heard that it goes a little bit longer, about an hour, an hour mm-hmm, and a half. Mm-hmm. And uh, the because, first program was really good, too. So mm-hmm. I, I know this next program coming up will be good as well. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, then you know um, there's a third program next month too. Oh, is there? Okay. Yeah, cuz um cuz you're you're going to be um I thought you're you're going to be reading on the 13th or yours Mhm. Mhm. Right. Oh, but there there's going to be um Well, that's the uh, reading so, uh next. Uh, so, uh is this program then there's a reading. Mhm. Yeah. So when is when is yours? Um. Uh. When is your reading? Because I don't have the right date here. I'm looking at the thirteenth. Um, it is the thirteenth. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. The thirteenth. Um. Which is next week? Next Friday? Next month. Oh, next month. Oh, December thirteenth. Okay. Because I thought they were all on Sundays. Alrighty. So no, December thirteenth. So people, you know, like I'm sure, you know, folks have not. Their December calendar together, so they can plug in 2 p.m. <laughs> so they can catch <laughs> you and a lot of other great poets, um, you know, sharing their work. It's going to be really awesome. Yeah, yeah. Because um, each program is really different. You know, the writers oh, yeah, are different, right. and the curator is different. And you know, Kim, of course, is a constant because you know she is the organizer as well as a fabulous writer. Yeah, and Daryl Stover was the moderator of the first program, and he did an extraordinary job. It was a really good program, so uh, yeah, Mm -hmm. so tune in. (laughs) (laughs) 
Kim <laughs> has done a really good job with the lineup and uh, coordinating the program and so forth. So, uh, yeah, kudos to her. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. And um, so I was wondering if you want to give our audience, um, you've got lots of books. Um, do you have a website you want to share? Well, I um, give you a website of the Carolina African American Writers Collective. Okay. H T T P S colon backslash backslash C A A W C G R O U P dot WordPress dot com. So uh yeah that's that's the website address for the Carolina African American Writers Collective uh you see what we're doing up there and uh you see one of the books that was recently released well really all the songs we sang so uh you mm-hmm. see information about that as well as books by uh, other members of the collective so there's quite a bit of information on the website as well as a history of the group Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the Carolina Writers Project, and then, um, you know, um, share a poem. You know that will help. Okay. Help yeah. Maybe I do a you know, blues poem to have different music after that. But yeah, the Carolina African American Writers Collective was started or founded in. Uh, we had our first meeting August twelfth, nineteen ninety five. So all the songs we sang celebrates the twenty fifth anniversary. So I'm hoping uh, people will get a copy of all the songs we sang, and you find out more about the Carolina African American Writers Collective there, and also visit the website. Uh, so you know the. Uh, Anthology has poems in it and several different poetic forms. Uh, There are excerpts from novels and novellas, so there's fiction. And there are also essays in the books, uh, creative nonfiction. So uh, a number of different genres are represented in the book. Uh, And then there is a... uh, forward by the uh, current North Carolina Port Laureate, who was an African-American, Jackie Shelton Green, uh, the first African-American to be appointed uh, Port Laureate of North Carolina. So so that's in there, too, uh, as well as uh, works by many members. You know, you're thinking of people in there like uh, Evie Shockley, Camille T. Dungy, Raina oh. J. Leon, uh, and, and on and on. Uh, Carol Boston Weatherford, L. Mm-hmm. Teresa Church, uh, Crystal Simone Smith, Daryl Stover. We can go on and on. Uh, mm-hmm. But please get the book and then you will find out who else is there. I just thought I would give you an appetizer. So if you buy the book, <laughs> you get the meal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, early here in California, you know, so we're like hungry. Um, yeah, um but I wanted to ask you also with regards to, you know, you know, North Carolina, you know, sort of being in the south and um just wondering uh sort of what it's like, you know, um there. Um 
and and what keeps you there? Because you know, um, I know, um, you know, some mm-hmm. a lot what of people were here? were going. Yeah, a lot of people were like leaving. You know how we sort of. Uh, left the South, you know, because right. of Right, that's you know, easy for me to answer. There's something that I told you early on. Remember when I said I feel a kinship with the land? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So my yeah. roots are here, so that means I have a connection, and so, you know, I'm still here. Uh, you know, listen to the uh, the gospel song by the Williams Brothers, Still Here, uh, you know, and midst of everything you go through, you know, still here, mm-hmm. and then a connection with the land, uh, and then, you know, family, and as well as, you know, uh, I enjoy here the culture and uh, the people, uh, uh, especially the people, and we have really nice places here, and then uh, I mentioned that I love the natural world. So mm-hmm. that is here, and uh, so uh, that's easy for me to answer. Yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> right, <home>. yes, home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, sort of like, you know, just thinking about being in the diaspora, because um, I think um, if home is Louisiana, Mississippi for my family, and I'm in California, Northern California, then, you know, of course, it's home now because you know I've been here. Well, I'm not the I'm not the first generation here, but I have children, and so they are first generation, and so we we have roots in other places, you know, in in the United States. Bruh. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about people like my father who came here because he couldn't stay there, you know, even though it was mm-hmm. home and family there. Yeah, so I'm yeah, thinking like yeah. it's blessing to be able to like stay home because we have you know we have folks that had land but they're not there anymore because they couldn't be there. Right, and, right. I, I lived know, in San Diego, uh, mm-hmm. June 1983 to January 1994, but I came back home. I lived in Germany about 40 years ago when I was in the army, but I came back home. I lived in Virginia when I was in the Army, uh, stationed there too, but I came back home. Once again, I keep coming back home. Home brings me back. Mm -hmm. So I too have been other places and lived other places. And, you know, I was in South Carolina too when I went through uh, my military training. So, yeah. Yeah. But there's something also about, about that region of, of the country, because you know that's that's also a place where a lot of our ancestors came here. You like they they came into you know these areas. You know right. we can trace our ancestry even if we're not you know even if we ended up not like you know sort of like putting in roots there. <laughs> that's that's sort of like right, how we got right. you know here in this in this particular um, nation. And so it's like hmm you know um, you know we're talking about. You know the Aegon or the ancestors and right, and the roots. Right. You know, like that, right, right. that are sort of like above and under the ground. Just you know, just, but guess what? Oh, I think kind of all the songs we sing can answer your yeah. question. It is about the South. <laughs> it is about mm-hmm. the South, and so there are many writers writing about the South. Uh, you know, North Carolina and other parts of the South. So please mm-hmm. consider reading all the songs we sing. <laughs> yeah. 
So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask for another selection from all the songs we sing, and then you can, you know, take us on out. Okay, I'll do one more, as you ask, request from all the songs we sing, and then i do that blues piece to close out. Okay. Okay. Let me look in the book here. Okay, you know what? Since you mentioned the South, I'm going to read this poem here. And I don't think it needs any explanation. Interrogation of Harriet Tubman. You say I should escape with you? Follow the North Star that spills light like my good breast drips milk? I've already had my children snatched from me as if they were brown eggs in some nest. So you think I'm going to trust you? What I'm going to eat? An oak leaf? A pine needle? A twig? My feet feel like axed wood. My body feels like a sack of sweet potatoes. You brave woman going to poke that pistol in my side? Make me walk? I don't know what... Massa might think he said I was real good and you say you're taking me to freedom that's as wide as this pitch black night can you tell me what's waiting for us in the will a horseman be there with his long black whip a gun slung over his shoulder to take us back to that plantation? So why should I follow you and the North Star tonight? I hear a growl to our, our right. I hear a yowl to the left. You say keep walking with my feet straight ahead, quick and quiet. I think about my three children snatched and sold. I want them back. Will I ever see them again? I push back branches, duck limbs, and sidestep weeds. No water here. Can you piss the horseman off his horse without missing him? I think I'll forget that my feet ache. My hands sweat with each dark mile. Sure we won't. See coffles again? Sure, we won't witness whips again? Sure, we won't hear auction voices again? Yeah, a lot of questions, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the poem wanted to end that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I just think about how you know, the uh, interrogator wanted some certainty, right? Mm-hmm. There was no certainty. You just had to, the interrogator wanted some right, certainty. Right, but, right, But there was no certainty. It's just like you just take the journey, right? And it go takes, mm-hmm. you know, our intention is freedom. <laughs> right. And, 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 you know, we're on the road, you know, we're on this journey, and 
and you know, and then you know Harriet Tubman, you know, she she had a good record. Like she didn't lose, she didn't lose anybody. <laughs> right. So right. You know, she was a great person to, to be riding with, like for real. Like just let it, let it, let her take us. Let her, let follow her. You know, like get on her train. Um, but yeah, the whole idea of certainty and uncertainty and 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 trust. Because <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know this pain, do I? I don't know the other. Yeah. Right. Mhm. Yeah. Great poem. Nice. Thank oh, you. Yeah, thank that was you. perfect. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I I sometimes think about returning. You know, to the oh, south. Okay, it's almost cool. like. Yeah, I think about I think about New Orleans. I think about New Orleans as a country. It's like yeah, the country of New Orleans, <laughs> the mm-hmm, country. Mm-hmm. You know, like because there's something about you know the South. Yeah, because you have a, you go back home, mm-hmm. you have a connection with the land and your people and your ancestors and all of that. Your roots. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I'm sure it has changed, but still. There's that connection, and you go back, your land will know you if you're from mm. there. Yeah. You know, that's interesting, though, the land knowing knowing my family, because NASA took our land. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, and and there are, like, security restrictions mm. at, at the test site. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there are places we can't go, and then there are also mm-hmm. alligators down there. You know, in mm-hmm. the swamp area. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like, hmm. Yeah. But that's what, what I are your too ancestors much. whispering uh, from the land? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Good question. I have to ask them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I close us out with this uh, blues poem here to do something a little different. Okay. Uh And it's titled, A Black Man Tells His Son the Whole Story. Mm. A black man tells his son the whole story. I never had the chance to stay in school. My daddy said work, his word was rule. This story I tell wherever I go. No one denies the truth about my hands. That work, the fields, the roads, the shoe shine stands. This story I tell wherever I go. For 50 years I sweat my dues. Wept, swalt, salt liquor from the blues. This story I tell wherever I go. Lord knows it's so hard living like a hound. I pray alone, my bony knees strike ground. This story I tell wherever I go. I cannot call back how my words sprue out, spill the gritty troubles without a doubt. This story I tell wherever I go. I want my story told after I die, how I pour peanuts in the fields to dry. This story I tell wherever I go. Like the rising winds, our names must blow. This story I tell wherever I go. This story I tell wherever I go. Take two. Never had the chance to learn in school. Say I never had no chance to stay in school. Daddy said work, 
He made the golden rule. This story I tell wherever I go. No one denies the truth about my hands. Say no one denies the truth about my hands. That work scorched fields, rose and shoeshine stands. This story I tell wherever I go. For 50 years I just sweated my dues. Say for 50 years I sweated my dues. And wept scraped iron from weary blues. This story I tell wherever I go. Lord knows it's so hard living like a hound. Say, Lord knows it's so hard living like a hound. I pray alone, my bony knees strike ground. This story I tell wherever I go. I can't recall how my words sprue out. Can't just call back how my words sprue out. Spilling gritty troubles, no doubt. This story I tell wherever I go. I want my story told after I die. Say I want my story told after I die. How I pull peanuts in the fields to dry. This story I tell wherever I go. Like the rising winds, our names must grow. Say, like the rising winds, our names must grow. This story I tell wherever I go. This story I tell wherever I go. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, keeper of the stories. That's important, you know. To oh yeah, this is important. We all have a story to tell, and we must mm-hmm. tell it. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you tell some great stories. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, thank I'm you. I'm glad you have all the books you have, so people can go read your stories. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, well, I hope they read them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah, because. And this was just like a tip of the iceberg, you know, because people heard, you know, that this is your practice. This is what you do, you know, um, like breathing. So, mm-hmm, gosh, mm-hmm. you know, you a lot of air has has come through your lungs. So you've got, wow, the work that you, you know, have honored us with, you know, as far as sharing. Yes, you know, yeah, so wonderful. Um, really appreciate oh, thank it. Thank you. And, yeah, I just want to let the audience know again, you know, that that um, you are sort of concluding a three-part series um, uh, that uh, Dr. Kim McMillan um, is hosting. And so this Sunday is, and they're all at 2 o'clock, and this Sunday is part two, this November 8th, and it's including um, Samuel Delaney. Uh, he's the winner, winner of four Nebula Awards and two Hugo Awards for his excellence in science fiction. And he was inducted by the Science Fiction and Fantasy Hall of Fame in 2002. And the panel, I think he is moderator. I'm not sure, but I think he is. And the panel includes Hope uh, Wabuke, uh, Avacha, uh, Dr. Ayana Jameson, and Dr. Grace Gibson. So that's going to be really cool. And then on December 13th at 2 p.m., Pacific Standard Time, everybody. So if you're in another time zone, figure it out. 
<laughs> I don't want to get you <laughs> in the time, so you you figure it out. <laughs> I just I'm just all I can do is hold on to my 2 p.m. Pacific time, <laughs> and it's a virtual <laughs> event. <laughs> and the poets reading are uh, uh, Dr. Aya Daly and Zinga, Devorah Major, Eugene Redmond. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about Eugene Redmond. Uh, Daryl Oh, Silver, Eugene uh, B. Redmond is a great poet. Oh, he's such a musical poet. And in fact, he and I did a project together. Uh, uh, he has photographs. I have haiku. And a chapbook mm-hmm. titled "Gathering at the Crossroads." So yeah, he's a he's mm-hmm. a great poet, uh, Eugene B. Redman, and uh, Deborah Major is certainly a great poet. Uh, she and I were at Cave Cannon together. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, cool, cool. And others are Michael War, Avacha, uh, Tarita McHale, Ishmael Reed, Dajabu. Glenn Paris and C. Leigh McInnes, and then Kim is going to be moderating. And it's like, wow. Well, all, all of and... magnificent poets and writers, you know, all of mm-hmm. them. C. Lee. Yeah, it's going to be stellar. And especially the master poet, Ismail Reed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's going yeah. to be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for this for gracing our our airwaves, you know, with your lovely work today. It's so wonderful. Thank and you. I hope, hope this is not the last time that you visit us. This was phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, when you invite me, uh I will answer. <laughs> okay, joke. That that sounds good. Well, I'm definitely going to catch you on the um 13th of next month, December. That's going to be great, yeah, halfway through the month and uh, right before the, um, you know, the uh, the equinox. And I hear, you know, December 21st, you know, that song that um, uh, the, uh, Mar- what is it, Marilyn McCoo, you know, they sing about the age of Aquarius, you know, about mm-hmm. the stars mm-hmm. aligning and all that, that this mm-hmm. is really like an this doesn't happen often. It's like every hundred or so years, it's actually happening. So, um, yeah, you all will be like a week before that <laughs> that, that <laughs> celestial event, you know, of 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 a lifetime. Because I don't know if I'm gonna be around, you know, a hundred years from now. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah, cool, yeah. Well, have a wonderful. Um, you know, rest of the day, and again, thank you so much for the work. You're welcome. Thank you. As I say, it's all about the music and all about love, so mm-hmm. hopefully that's what we have throughout the world, and hopefully our literature could help with that. Oh, certainly, certainly, definitely. Um, um, you know, the writing, you know, the music, you know, all of the arts. Um, but mm-hmm. I think particularly yeah, all of the arts, exactly. Dancing, singing, visual arts, you name it, writing, you know, all of it. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Well, you take good care. Have a good rest of the day. And, again, thank you so much um, for this morning. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, you take good care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Peace and blessings. So we are going to um, play a little bit of Renee Marie. Um, there is this drum solo that I just love um, from Voices of My Beautiful Country. 
next. We're going to listen to that. Drum solo from Renee Marie's Voices of My Beautiful Country. And I want to remind folks about some events that are happening um, this weekend. Today is the beginning of the uh, uh, Bacchanal de Afrique, um, which uh, goes through uh, November 20th, but it starts today. It is virtual as well as... um, as um, actually um, not virtual, <laughs> um, if there's a 
Okay, I don't know if there's a reverse of virtual or not virtual, but it's the uh, world world's premier Pan African Afro Urban Arts and Cultural Festival, and um, and the Afro Urban Society um, is putting on this fifth edition of the Bayan. Bacchanal Festival, Bacchanal de Afrique, and Bacchanal is B-A-K-A-N-A-L de D-E Afrique, A-F-R-I-Q-U-E. Um, and uh, how can you find out? Uh, actually, there's a website. You can go to it and uh, get your tickets because you don't want to miss it. Um, the full festival pass is $50, and day passes start at $5, and there's film. Uh, there are moderated discussions, and um, and of course, you know, the the dance and the theater, and um, and it's going to be really, really awesome. And again, like I said, it starts today. It might have already started because uh, some of it's virtual, and uh, and you'll be traveling the African diaspora with. Um, you know, with this particular festival, which is highly, comes highly recommended. So, again, Bacchanal, the Afrique Festival, goes global online, starts today, and it goes through the 20th. And um, I also want to let people know about um, my office, San Francisco Bay Area, and the San Francisco Main Library African American Center is hosting uh, the first of two free virtual discussions uh, tomorrow, November seventh, and December eleventh. Excuse me, November seventh and December fifth, <laughs> eleven to one p.m. So tomorrow, uh, November seventh, uh, Queen Mother, um, Her Majesty Queen Mother Dewalti Desir, is the author of Redlining a Holocaust Memorials and People of the Afro Atlantic, Woche Kase Woche. If I'm not, I'm, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but <laughs> she'll be in conversation with. Me, Wanda Sabir, and it's a free event. All you need to do is go to the San Francisco Main Library, uh, SF Public Library, sfpl.org. Look for events, and again, it's tomorrow, and it's going to be really awesome. You can also just visit wandaspics.com, and it's linked there. And um, anything else I want to tell you about that's happening? Uh, Oh, I was just um, got an email that... um, that uh, went to Marcellus is going to be um, having a conversation um, as a part of Rhythm. I'm trying to think, is it Rhythm Mix? Um, let me uh, give you the details on that. Just a second. Uh, Winton Marcellus. It's a. It's a. Yeah, he's going to be discussing where do we go from here? And is Living Jazz is presenting this um, this particular. Um, Living Jazz is presenting this conversation, and they've uh, presented other things. This is virtual, and it should be really, really nice. And I think it's uh, 4 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll post this on Wanda's Picks. But in the meantime, um, yeah, it's uh, 4 p.m. Pacific time. Donation is suggested. However, if you don't have anything, if you don't have the money, you can still attend. And, uh, yeah, um, Winter Marcellus is known as a world-renowned trumpeter, band leader, composer, and leading advocate of American culture, but there is so much more to this jazz icon story. This Sunday, we invite you to get to know a different side of Winton in this unique call-and-response event. So there's a moderator, um, Andre uh, Chemo Stone Guest, 
um, an internationally respected leader who has over 25 years of executive experience, including the VP and producer for jazz at Lincoln Center in New York. He's going to lead an engaging conversation that explores Winton's perspective of the changes we all we are all going through and how they are impacting his music and for the uh, and the vision for the future of the music industry. And the Q and A, which will follow this discussion, is uh, led by Frank J. Barrett an active jazz pianist, author of Yes to the Mess, Surprising Leadership Lessons from Jazz, and professor of management at the Naval Postgraduate School in um, Monterey, California. So so you can just go to um, livingjazz.org to f- get tickets for this uh, wonderful, wonderful event. And then there's going to be... Um, uh, another event on Sunday, November 14th, Monk Talks, Monk Talks Monk. <laughs> that should be fun. And uh, and then, uh, is there anything else on this slide? In this, uh, but you can find out all these things. And they offer, they offer online classes and things like that. Um, but anyway, yeah, these are the folks um, that, um, you know, Stacey Hoffman, and we've had her on my radio show on, on Wanda Speaks for a lot of times to talk about the uh, the uh, Martin Luther King Jr. events they put on um, every year um, in Oakland. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what that looks like for um, for 2021. But, yeah, yeah, it should be really nice. So just, you know, go to the website so you can RSVP. Um, for that event and others that you might find interesting and inviting. Living Jazz. Living Jazz. I'm looking for the website. Um, well, I'm sure it's probably livingjazz.org. But anyway, that's the name of the organization. <laughs> All righty. So what are we going to close with? I need to find some nice closing music. Let's see. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I was thinking, I don't know, I was thinking about Mama C. Um, I was looking at ancestors, and uh, and I uh, saw this really great poem um, that Raymond Nat Turner uh, does with Ziggy. That's really nice. And um, got this other other piece um, from Bookman Experience uh, that's called um, Our Ancestors. So I'm thinking maybe... Maybe I might I might play that um, sort of um, yeah I'm not sure <laughs> I am feeling undecided um, oh you know another one I really like is um, Wadada Leo Smith's um, he's got a he's got a whole album called Ancestors but I really like Don't You Remember yeah I think I'm gonna play that from Wadada Leo Smith let me find that one for you. Yeah, maybe I'll play um, Bookmind Experience first, and then we'll close out with um, Don't You Remember. So here we are. Bookmind Experience is um, is out of Haiti, Haiti, and um, Her Majesty Queen Mother uh, Nwoti, she is um, she is has Haitian ancestry. So and she's gonna be like I said, um, sharing with us from her her new book. So, and I just lost it that quickly. <laughs> oh, here we are. Bookmont experience. Mm-hmm. 
Leo Smith, don't you remember? And I wanted to uh, salute all of the veterans um, from the different wars that are still with us. Thank you so much for your service. And I wanted to let you know about an event this evening that's hosted by the Veterans of Color. It's going to be an online Facebook Live event at 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Uh, It's going to be an unveiling of Veterans Mural at the Merced Multicultural Arts Center, Merced Multicultural Arts Center. And you can watch the mural unveiling painted by local artist Lisa uh, Gillian Vini. Uh, the project chairs are Rhonda Batson, NAACP, Merced County Branch, and Colton Dennis, um, the um, Multicultural Arts Center director. And it will host Veterans of Color Perpetual Perpetual Project Launch. Um, And the uh, particular event, um, they will be interviewing local veterans of the military and first responders and displaying artwork from local children on this website uh, And during Black History Month at the Marin, not Merced, Marin, (laughs) Merced Multicultural Arts Center. And so... um, Wanted to let you know about that this evening. Again, that's from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. Pacific time, uh, the Veterans Mural Unveiling. Um, and it's called Courage. What's it called? Courage. Um, don't read the, oh, Courage Has No Color. And it's a beautiful, beautiful image. Courage Has No Color is the uh, the name of the, the exhibition. And I'm looking, I'm trying to see how I can um, send it to you. But um, I think if you just go to the um, to the the Merced um, Multicultural Arts Center, I'm sure that's where you can figure out, find out how to um, access the uh, the event tonight on Facebook Live, which is going to be happening at their location. All righty, so. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of Wanda's Picks and look forward to hopefully seeing some of you all um, at the uh, the reading tomorrow, reading author talk tomorrow um, at the San Francisco Main Library um, African American Center. Uh, and again, that's a virtual event from 11 a.m. Pacific Time to 1 p.m. Uh, Pacific Time. All righty, you take good care.
peace and blessings. Maybe I should. I don't know. Should I take you out with something else? Eh. <laughs> I think we'll leave it alone. All righty. Peace and blessings, everyone. <laughs>